of you know there is a difference between a survivor and an overcomer. Yeah, there's a huge difference, and the difference is between the wilderness and the promised land. That's the difference. That's that huge of a difference. A survivor is someone who suffers a terrible attack and lives to tell it. But an overcomer who's someone who suffers a terrible attack, lives to tell it, but chooses not to, and rises up and kills the attacker. Amen? I believe I have some overcomers in the house tonight. Survivors are victimized. Overcomers are victorious. Survivors have wounds. Overcomers have scars like Jesus. Amen? Let me say that again. I don't think you got that. I said overcomers have scars like Jesus. Amen? It doesn't mean overcomers haven't gone through some things. It means we've gone through some things. They've left a mark on us, but we've taken care of what leaves a mark on us. Amen? Jesus took care of what left a mark on him. Amen? And so survivors are peacekeepers. Just like the United Nations peacekeeping force, which is basically worthless in my estimation, but that's just my opinion. The witness, they, they witness terrible atrocities, but they never step in to stop the attack. These peacekeepers maintain the status quo because they need to survive takes what they need to survive takes precedence over anything else. If you don't believe me, ask a Rwandan. Now let me tell you about people who are just the opposite. They are not peacekeepers. They are peacemakers. Overcomers are peacemakers. How many of you know who Samuel Colt is? Only one person? Two? Samuel Colt is the inventor of the revolver. And so that's why we have a Colt revival, revolver. And um, there is even a baseball player. I think his number was 45. He played for the Colts. And it was a Colt 45. Yeah. And so um, it made the sons of God that Jesus refers to in Matthew 5, 9. Because we have the word of God that is sharper and better than any Colt revolver. Can I get an amen? All right. And so survivors go through the fire, but they live in constant reference to how they've been burned. Look at my wounds. I'm still bleeding. Let me show you what I've been through. Overcomers, on the other hand, go through the fire, and there's no smoke on them. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no smoke on me. Amen? So, the major difference between survivors and overcomers is overcomers inherit the promises of God and mere survivors do not. The word overcome is the word like Nike, only it's Nikeo, N-I-K-A-O, Nikeo. And it means overcomer, one who overcometh, and it appears 30 time, 32 times in the Bible. Now... I'm going to talk a lot about numbers tonight. So I'm going to use my notes so that I give you the right number, all right? Because numbers play a very important part in the Bible. And if you don't believe me, let's read together 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 17 through 19. That'll be our first scripture tonight. 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 17 through 19 and I read it and it says and he said 
Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, smite the ground. And he smote the ground thrice. That's three. And stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou should have smitten or struck the ground five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou had consumed it. Whereas now thou only smite the ground thrice, so thou shalt not smite Syria. Now, when God says, hit something, he means knock it out, all right? When David picked up the stone, he didn't just knock Goliath to the ground. He knocked Goliath out. And Goliath was out so long that there was plenty of time, right, for him to just saw the head off. Now, you and I both know sawing a head of a giant would take some time. You better pack a lunch, all right? And every number that doesn't have a certain meaning... After numbers 1 through 12, so you could ask me any number 1 through 12, I'll tell you what it means because it has a specific meaning. But after 12, there are some numbers that don't have specific meanings, but their combination has meanings. Welcome to Numerology Bible Class 101. All right? So um, the exception are a few numbers like 40 and 50. The number 32, for example, I told you overcomers use 32 times in the Bible. The number 32 is not a specific meaning of a Bible, Bible number or meaning. And so when it doesn't, we take the combination. So remember I said 1 through 12, we have a meaning. So we're going to take the numbers and we're going to put them together. So 3 plus 2 equals 5. And 5 is the number of grace. Good job. You guys got a great teacher. And so God's grace is available to overcomers. And there is grace to everyone so that they can overcome. Nikeo, mentioned 32 times, indicates that God's grace is given to be poured out to those that are Nikeo or overcomers. And eight of those 32 times, what's the number eight mean? New beginnings. Eight of those are in the New Testament, which means there's a new beginning for an overcomer. 24 times, it's listed and in in itself, 24 doesn't, again, have a meaning, but 2 plus 4 is 6, and 6 is the number of man. Exactly right. So, Nikeo means there is a part that man must do. Man has to get involved in being an overcomer. We can't just sit on our lazy boy and say, I'm an overcomer. We've got to get some skin in the game. Amen? And we've got to be energeo. What does that mean? We've got to have the energy so that we can stay and fight the fight. All right, so the number 17 has no specific meaning either. Remember I said they only go up to 12. So 1 and 7 equals 8, and 8 is new beginnings. So what is an overcomer then? The Greek word nikeo means one that prevails, one that conquers, one that gets in and brings the victory, one that surmounts difficulties. Therefore, we can say that overcomers... Don't just think it's strange that fiery darts and trials come to them. But when they do come to them, they stay involved. They stay a participant in the fight because they are partakers in sufferings of Christ. But if we're partakers in the sufferings of Christ, we are what? 
partakers in his glory. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. So that's what an overcomer is. An overcomer is one who has the opportunity to get involved in the fiery trials of Jesus Christ. But because they do, God gets in there with them. Remember that when we run out of our strength, what does he do? He comes alongside and gives us hupaneo or supernatural strength. So now that we know what is an overcomer, let's look at who is an overcomer. Everyone can sing the song, we're overcomers, but not everyone that sings is one. This is what the Bible says an overcomer is. We're going to look at this scripture tonight. 1 John, I call that little John, 1 John 5, 4. And it says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, that means to be an overcomer, you have to be what? You have to be born again. You have to be with God. All right? And so, John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily. Now, in all of the Bible classes you'll take, if they say verily, verily, that means listen, listen. This is really important. Don't miss this one. Make sure you get this one. Verily, verily, Jesus answered and said, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if you put that with 1 John 5, 4, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, then we can also put here, in order to be an overcomer, you must be born again. Are we on the same track? All right, good. So we've looked at what is an overcomer. And now we're going to say, what does an overcomer overcome? Because we said an overcomer is one, first of all, born of God. And we said that he's able to surmount difficulties and prevail against them because God joins in with him, takes hold of him, and is able to help him do what he couldn't do all by himself. And so the question becomes then, what are the difficulties we overcome? Everybody take a deep breath. Here's the one we got to overcome. This is why we don't judge. All three of these come to everyone born of God. Every one of these you will fight in your life, one time or another, or all three at the same time. Anybody know what they are? What is it? Close. Close. Flesh. How about the world, the flesh, and the devil? Let's say that. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are three enemies that you will have if you are breathing. The world, the flesh, and the devil. All right? Let's, we're going to look at all three of these. Number one, the world. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Is that what it says? So then the world really shouldn't be a problem for us, right? But how many will honestly say the world's been a problem? Right. Amen. So, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. Now, when it says, can we bring up 1 John 5, 4, please? It says, for whatever is, or whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. And what is that? Even our faith. Everybody shout faith. faith. All right. Now, you were in 1 John, you were in 5, 4. Just turn back a couple pages to 2, 15. Chapter 2, verse 15. 
And he spells it out right here for you. Love not the world, nor neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, you say, well, I still love God. But remember, if God's not president, he's not resident. So if you love anything more than you love God, and let me tell you, your checkbook will tell you what you love the most. If most of them are written out to Texas Roadhouse and Ruby Tuesdays and um, Chipotle, you love food more than you love God, all right? If it's written out to Kohl's and JCPenney's and uh, Amazon, you love things, amen? So it says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Listen. You can't be an overcomer and love the world or the things of the world. You've got to come out from among them and be ye separated, saith the Lord. You can't walk hand in hand with the world and with God. We're going to look at James 4.4 4 now. We looked at 1 John 5.4. We looked at 1 John 2.15. Now we're going to look at James 4.4. 4. It says, whosoever, do I have any whosoever's in here? Whosoever, therefore... When you find a therefore, what do you do? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is, what's it say? Right there, an enemy of God. So to be an overcomer, you must prevail against the world. So what is the world? The world is what we have to live in. So we're like the children of Pergamon, and we know that Satan's seat is in the United States of America, He's in our city. He's in our school. He's even in our churches. And so we have to be able to go through with our eyes on Christ. And it's almost as if we have to put blinders on and we have to guard our heart with all diligence because the world would satisfy you. And that brings us to the flesh. So the first one that we have to fight is what? The world. The second one? The flesh. Understand that when we say flesh, we're not talking just about the body because the body's dust. And if we're going back to dust, the body doesn't act. It only reacts to what the soul tells us to, what to do. So just for example, yesterday we laid Buck Tennant's house down in a grave. That wasn't Buck. No, to be absent when the body was present with the Lord, bucks his spirit, bucks with Jesus. And he don't want to come back. His house was worn out. His house is in a grave. All right? So when I'm talking about the flesh, I'm not just talking about your skin. I'm talking about that thing between your ears. All right? Your, your soul, your emotions, your intellect, what you think, what you feel, what you want. Right? How many times does your flesh screams what I want? I just could be honest with you, Claudette. Monday night when we were done, I went to Coldstone. I just need to stroke my flesh. <laughs> you know I love ice cream, so I was like, oh, Coldstone's just right up the road. I'm gonna go have me a Coldstone. So I have to fight my flesh. Anybody else ha like flesh like ice cream? Flesh like sleeping? Yeah. All right. So when I'm talking about it, when we talk about this overcoming the flesh, we're not ever talking, the, talking about overcoming our body, like wrestling our, our arms, but our mind. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, and my head's higher than any place on my body. Can I get an amen? So this battle is not against the flesh of any kind, and I'm going to have you look now at Romans 8, verses 4 through 8. Now, pretty soon we're going to settle in Revelation. You're only going to have to turn to Revelation. I know your fingers are wearing out. How many remember the yellow pages? Boy, there are not a lot of us. You know, we used to have to look up numbers, y'all. And you had to be able to know your alphabet because everybody's names were alphabetical order in the yellow pages. And if you didn't know how to spell your friend's last name, too bad, baby, you ain't calling, right? And so you'd go through the white pages. That was everybody that you knew. And then the yellow pages were all the businesses. Anybody remember that? All right. So Romans 8, 4 through 8. Oh, yeah, party lines. Here you go, Ray. Um, Romans 8, 4 and 8 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who's the us? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do what? Mind the things of the flesh, right? But they that are of the spirit mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, that's why they call them carnival cruises because they appear to they appeal to your flesh they'll come back from a carnival cruise and they'll say oh man there was so much to eat it was amazing right carnal it appear it appeals to us for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind carnivorous meat eating the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh, don't you hate this, cannot please God. No matter how hard you work, no matter how much money you make, how many hours you stay away from your family, no how many meals you cook and how much laundry you do, how many cakes you bake, it's not going to get us into heaven. It's nice, it's kind, it's hospitable. But that's not what gets you into heaven. What gets you into heaven is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, period. Nothing more, nothing less. Repent and accept Jesus as the substitute for you, for your sin. So when you overcome the flesh, you transform your mind from a carnal mind, a carnivorous mind, to a spiritual mind. And the word transform means to undergo a metamorphosis. What else do we know that goes through a metamorphosis? That's exactly right, a butterfly. And it, it, first it's a worm that crawls around on its belly, but then it gets inside of its, is it called a cocoon? Yeah. And then it becomes a Christostasis, something. Yeah, there, that word, Ben, thank you very much. If you need a, uh, another person to say that, see Ben O'Connor. And then, all of a sudden, it is changed. So once you undergo a metamorphosis, you no longer think the way you used to think, but you begin to think the way the Spirit thinks. And now you're pleasing to God, and therefore, you become an overcomer of the flesh. So we overcome the flesh... By loving God more than we love anything else. 
It's not I love God, but my boyfriend said he's celebrating my birthday on Wednesday night. I'm sorry. He shouldn't be your birthday if he's, or he shouldn't be your boyfriend if he's wanting you to celebrate only on Wednesday night. Sorry. I go to church on Wednesday night, right? Well, my mom's having a cookout at 11 o'clock on Sunday. Well, mom, I'll see you at 1. Either that or you love mom or mom's chicken more than you love God. Let's just be honest. I mean, we can make up all kinds of excuses, but they are excuses. All right? I used to tell my kids, we're not playing games on Wednesday night. We're going to church. And we didn't go on Wednesday nights. And pretty soon they quit having games on Wednesday night, and they moved them to Thursday. But see, if we just keep going, oh, well, we'll, we'll I guess we'll be there. They're going to keep having them on Wednesday nights, y'all. We're the ones that turn. We're the head. The, the, God says, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And the last thing I heard was the head turns the body. Amen? So the world, the flesh, and the devil, number three. Overcoming the devil. Oh, gosh, we're going to start with that. There's only one way to overcome the devil, and that is by the word of God. When the devil took Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days, he says, what? It is written, it is written, it is written. If you don't know what's written, then you are a sitting duck for the devil. You've got to say what the Bible says. Amen? So when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was led into the wilderness to be tried by the devil. And every time the devil tempted Jesus, Jesus replied with, It is written. And he defeated the devil with the written word of God. He defeated the devil with the word. Not the logos, but the rhema. The rhema word is powerful. The rhema word causes change. The rhema word is the word of God that said, let there be light and there was. The rhema word is the spoken word of God himself. Logos is great, okay? Linguistics, logos, logic. We can hear God and say it, but rhema is revealed knowledge of God. It is the written word of God. And when we overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, then, then, then we are overcomers and able to receive 17 promises. Are you ready to hear the promises? Yeah. Me too. I want to know about the reward, okay? So I'm going to stay in Revelation now, and I'm going to begin in Revelation 2 and verse 7, and it says, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, this is all about having eternal life and redemption from Adam and Eve's original sin. Total restoration with God is the way it's supposed to be, where we taste and see the Lord is good. Now we don't have to be stopped from eating that tree of life. Because why? We're overcomers. The world's not going to take us out. The flesh is not going to take us out. The devil's not going to take us out. And God's like, now you can eat it. Because whatever state they ate it in, that was the state they would be in for forever. Merciful God didn't let Adam stay in the state of sin and fallen. All right, number two. First one is what? Eat from the tree of life, or we could say live eternally. All right, second promise. Revelation 2.11. We're just going to walk right through Revelations. In Revelation 2.11, it says, He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Praise the Lord when, when Christ comes and judges and sends the ones that are condemned, that have rejected him into the sea of fire, the lake of fire, or, or locks them up in hell. 
We won't be there. Those that overcome, the world, the flesh, and the devil will not be there. So not only do you have eternal life, but you will not be hurt by second death. Nobody has anything to fear. If, if you love Jesus and you're overcoming, you have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. The overcomer doesn't have to worry about being separated from God ever again. We'll be in his presence and my Bible tells me in his presence is fullness of I don't know about you, but that sounds wonderful. When you've had a rough life and you've come where I've come from, being full of joy. I often look at people and think, why can they be so joyful? I just don't get it. Don't they know there's work to do? Because just all my life, it just seems like all I've done is work. And, and work is what I know how to do. But joy, I, it eludes me sometimes. Anybody with me? So that being joy, that just sounds awesome. Third promise, Revelation 2.17. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. And remember I, I had talked about the churches. Uh, the Bible said in John 6.32 and 33. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but from my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he that cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. See, there, there was a bread that Jesus said that the world knew not of. And it was God himself that infused Jesus with strength. You know, when you eat, well, not everybody. I learned this. Some people eat and they get real sleepy because the blood goes to their stomach to digest their food. Then there are people like me with a little bit of ADHD. And you give me some food, and I'm like, because it's like gas in my tank. And uh, I don't know why people get sleepy, because I just, can you tell I had dinner before I came? Yeah, like, that's just kind of the way it is with me. And there are people like me, so I'm not the only one, all right? So God is going to give us food that's not going to make us sleepy and not going to make us, like, real talkative, but food that will sustain us when nothing else can. All right, promise number four, Revelation 2.17. Revelation 2.17 says, and I will give him a white stone. And a white stone, you may not know what this is, but it is a promise of acquittal. When you were accused of a crime and someone would come and they would hand you a white stone, it means that your penalty, your sin, whatever it was, was going to be acquitted, and you were no longer going to be found guilty. So when he gives you a white stone, it means not guilty. All right? It refers back to when a person was tried for a crime, the judge hearing the case would make the decision by either giving them a white stone, which signified the person was innocent and acquitted, or a black stone, which signified he was guilty and would be put to death. God promises an overcomer a white stone, meaning you are not guilty. This is also a promise not just of acquittal, but of admittance. It refers to time past when a person tried to get into a certain organization. The members of the organization would cast secret ballots and a lot on whether or not to accept that person into the organization. They would place either a white stone or a black stone in the box. If the stones were all white, the person was accepted into the organization. However, if there was even one black stone, it signified the person was not accepted into the organization, and it was simply saying, you've been blackballed. 
When you get the white stone, God says, you're in. And so I think it's great. God gives us a white stone because it says, you're in. And how many of us always want to be in? Remember when you were a kid, not everybody let you in, right? Promise number five. Revelation 2.17 also says, And in the stone a new name is written, which no man knoweth, saying he received it. In other words, God gives you a new name. Maybe right now you've put a name on yourself, shame. Maybe you've put a name on yourself, stupid. Maybe somebody put a name on you, not good enough. Maybe somebody put a name on you, not pretty enough, not smart enough, not handsome enough. But God says he's going to give you a new name. And I believe that no one will know that name but him and you. And let me tell you something. If you've never been given a new name, it's pretty awesome. When I was in um, South Africa, in Johannesburg, I ministered. And um, Apostle Paul Daza was the apostle. And the women sat on this side and the men sat on that side. And I called a woman up and I called a man up, and I would never know that they were married, and I told the woman, your husband's having an affair, and he's, he's lying to you, and I see the woman, just as plain as day, described her going into his tent and a fire being in the front yard, um, because everything was on fire back then in Africa. There was different than it is now, and then to the man, I looked at the pastor and I said, I don't know who his pastor is, but he's been lying to his pastor. He's been telling his pastor he's not been doing anything and he's never quit being an adulteress. And it, Apostle Daza was his apostle and the woman standing next to him was his wife. So Dr. Rebecca and I were asked to go out to eat with Apostle Daza and Apostle Daza said, I now give you Zulu name. And I said, okay, what's my Zulu name? And uh, he said, Zanelli. And I was like, Zanelli? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, I love it, Zanelli. I was all excited, I got a Zulu name. What's it mean? Enough. I was devastated, it's like somebody hit me. I said, enough, you've had enough of me, you want me to go home? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. Culture, culture. He said, if you were my daughter, you would be enough, the dowry that you would bring for me to live a long time, be a very rich man. So, I like the name Zanelli. Y'all can call me Zanelli. I like that. I'm enough. Amen? But see, that's what I believe God will do. Maybe you never felt like you were enough. Right? And God's saying, you're enough. Like, only God would know what name you need to be named. I'm hearing God's going to give me some new names for you guys. Yeah, I said to God, they don't have to wait till they get to heaven, do they? All right. Promise number six, Revelation 2.26. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end to him, I will give, I love this one, power over the nations. Remember that church that we talked about? Power over the nations. How would you like, uh, how's Andrina, you're my intercessor in here, a few other intercessors in here. Cindy, how would you like it if you said, in the name of Jesus, I tear down every stronghold over the nation of Palau, and it gives Apostle free license to come and go as he pleases in Jesus' name. And, and you had power over the nation, and it just succumbed to your words. How about that? That's now, because who's an overcomer? We are, and when are we overcoming? Now, because we don't have to overcome in heaven. When we get to heaven, we will already be overcome, right? 
So we have to be overcomers here over the world, over the flesh, and over the devil so we can have power over the nations right here, right now. Shandara Bahaya. That'll wet your whistle, won't it there, you life uh, or Zoomers or Facebookers or wherever you're watching. Amen? Promise number seven. Revelation 3.5 says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white garment. That means you're totally clean, right? White. We talked about no smoke on me, no sin on me. Yeah, no sin on me, amen? Not a wrinkle, not a blemish, not a anything. Overcomers get white garments. Also in Revelation 3.5 is promise number 8, and I will not blot out his name in the book of life. Now, I, I, I love this one, and, I, and I, I shared with you a little bit when we were talking about the seven churches, but he doesn't, you get saved, and he goes, oh, praise the Lord, Marlene finally got saved. Let me mark Marlene's name down, Marlene. No, it's not like that at all. You know, they say, oh, another name got written in Lamb's Book of Life. No. No, I'm sorry. Not true. Truth is, Marlene, before you were ever born. Bill, before you were ever a twinkle in daddy's eye. Claudette, before he ever formed you in your secret parts. Your names were already there. Because he believed, he has faith in you, that you will accept Jesus Christ and you will not deny him. So your name was there before you were there. And it's only when you deny him and you reject him that the name is blotted out. So he that overcometh, hallelujah, Revelation 3, 5, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Promise number 9, Revelation 3, 5 again says, but I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. And in other words, Jesus is up there at the right hand of the father and he goes, hey, your servant Samantha, hey, your, your servant, Victoria. Hey, your servant, Janie. And he's up there and he's, he's, he's talking your name in front of the angels. Promise number 10, Revelation 3.12 says, And to him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Now that doesn't mean you're going to be a stone pillar and you're going to be holding up a wall or holding up a ceiling. It means you're going to be strong and you're going to be bold and you're going to stand erect and you're going to stand right there and you're going to hear everything that goes on in the chambers of our God. You're going to, in other words, you're going to know God's business. Hallelujah. I mean, did you ever hear somebody say, boy, I'd just like to be a fly on the wall? Well, I'm going to go for bigger, better things. I'm going to go for a pillar in the house of God. <laughs> Amen. All right. Promise number 11. Revelation 3.12 again says, and I will write upon him the name of my God. Now, I don't know about you, but when God puts his name on me, baby, you best not mess with me. Amen? And see, he's talking to overcomers. And where do we overcome? Here. Because when we get there, we will have already been overcomers. We would have already overcame it, right? So that means right here, right now, God can stick his name on me. And when I go do something or when I talk to the devil or when I do business, guess what? It's just like God. It's just, I look just like him. You know, when it says, your mama says, I brought you in this world and I can take you out and, and I can make another one look just like you. Well, you know what? God did do that and he can make one that looks just like you. I have seen people look just like me. All right. Revelation uh, 3.12 
And I'm on promise number 12. says, we will receive the promise of a specific identity of New Jerusalem. And the name of the city of my God, which is in New Jerusalem. I don't know what my specific identity will be, but isn't it nice to know that you're going to know your identity? Overcomers know their identity. You know, there are some things that I take great pride in. I take great pride in my last name was Perlow before I changed it to become Mary. And I take great pride in Perlow is very Italian. If their name is Perlow, they are from Italy, and I know exactly where they're from. They're from Brescia, and they've got great legs. Andre Perlow, the soccer player for the Italian World Cup, is my cousin, and I take great pride in that. And when I took my DNA, I found out I had Jewish blood in me. I took great pride in that. But guess what? Ain't nothing like God's blood. Ain't nothing like the tribe of God. Ain't nothing like a child of God. Ain't nothing like the family of God. Who do you belong to? I belong to the family of God. I've got God's blood flowing through my veins. Amen? I look just like my brother Jesus, glory to God. Right? I'm made in his image. Right, Heidi? Hallelujah. All right. Rev- promise number 13. Coming down the home stretch. Revelation 3.21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne and even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Is that not the greatest scripture? To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me. I don't know about you, but there's just something about sitting with somebody you love. You know, I keep bringing up Buck, but... Um, Claudette's grandson talked about the memories of a grandfather at the funeral. And I was thinking, if I was doing the memories of my grandfather, what would my memories be? And then I was thinking, what would my memories of my father be? And I'll bet you if I ask any one of you right now, you had a memory, just one maybe, of your daddy. If you were blessed to know your granny, just one of your granddaddy. See, when I smell rain, I think of daddy. Because he'd hear boom, 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 real far away. Or he'd see the wind blow, and he'd see the leaves turn up. He'd say, baby girl, it's going to rain. And we'd get it. he'd say, hurry, get the wood in, or hurry, get, get this done, get that done. And we had a big, long wooden swing on our porch. Great big chains that held it. And Daddy'd sit down on the front porch swing. Marina'd get beside him on one side, David on the other, then Rusty, then Timmy, then Rocky. All five kids and Daddy on the swing, just a swinging. And pretty soon Dad'd say, Smell that? And everybody, Smell what, Daddy? Smell what? He said, Don't you smell the rain? And whether we did or we didn't, if Daddy did, we did. Yes, Daddy, I smell it, right? And so now when I smell rain, I think of daddy. And listen to this. He says, to him that overcometh, I'll grant to sit with me on my throne. And the greatest memory that you can think of of sitting with somebody you love, maybe it wasn't your daddy. Maybe it wasn't your granddaddy. Maybe it was your mama. Maybe maybe it was your grandmama. But do you remember sitting with somebody you love? I know, Cindy, sitting with Alan. I know. I hear you. (laughs) Moving along. Promise number 14. Revelation 21, 7, he that overcometh shall inherit a little bit. What's it say? 
He shall inherit all things. Revelation 21.7 says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Everybody say all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. And I'm getting ahead of myself because that's promise 15. I will be his God. And promise 16 is he shall be my son. And summing this whole thing up is promise number 17. And did you get those? I went too fast, didn't I? All right, let me go back. Promise 14 says he shall inherit all things. That's your 14th. Your 15th promise is same scripture. I'll be his God. 16th promise is he'll be my son. And the 17th promise is to be unhurt in the second death is the judgment of being separated from God and sentenced to hell as seen in Revelation 20 verse 6, Revelation 20 verse 14, and Revelation 21 verse 8. So let's just flip over to Revelation 21 8. And it says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Next verse. Which is the second death. Now, flip back there one. So that means overcomers are not cowardly. Overcomers are not unbelieving. Overcomers are not abominable. Abominable. Overcomers are not murderers. Overcomers are not sexually immoral. Overcomers are not sorcerers. That would be uh, palm readers, tarot cards, horoscope readers. Uh, overcomers are not idolaters, meaning loving self or loving other things more than they love God, having idols, and not a liar. I don't know about you. But I want to be an overcomer. How about you? Not just because of these 17 things he promised us, but because to be an overcomer is to get to be with him. And the favorite part is getting to sit with him. How many of you have often said, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about that, right? Can I tell you, I've lived long enough now that I don't say that anymore. You know, when I was a mom of 24 years old and, and lost my little Amy Elizabeth, I thought, when I'm going to get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, what about that? And, you know, I've decided now, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to be glad I got there. And I'm not going to ask him a thing because if the old song is right, he'll talk to me and he'll tell me all about it in the sweet by and by. And I won't have to ask him a thing because guess what? He knows me, darling, better than he knows, better than I know myself. And you know what, Brooke? You don't have to worry about asking him any question because he's going to answer every question you got. And you'll get there when you're really, really old so you don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> See, God loves you more than you love yourself. And he wants to answer your questions more than you want to get an answer. So God, I thank you so much that you have given us the power to become an overcomer. That we have all grace 
if we'll just work with you, you'll help us. You'll take hold of us and cause us to be more than overcomers. And we're just so grateful. So, so grateful that you love us and you've called us by name. to us about that new name. I'm enough. What do you need to hear tonight? That you're loved? That he's proud of you? given accepted believed in blessed prosperous you'll talk to each one of us and you'll give us the desires of our heart and we ask you these things in Jesus name and everyone said amen and amen